<laughs> okay, I, I will repeat. So I, I come back from Chicago last night, and I'm, I'm tired, and, but I had, a, I had a great trip. And I roll into the office this morning, and on my desk, I have a package from Robin Promotions, and I'm just pulling it in front of me. So part of the package is this beautifully printed set of promo kitchen cards that I am f- um, touching and caressing right now with great pride. <laughs> right. And in addition to this, I received a piece of swag, and we're going to look at this right now. I don't think it's from Jetline. I have no idea where this is from. No, it's not. Don't sure. think it's from Jetline, but um, <laughs> it's an interactive uh, cloth that I can do funky things with if I download the Layer app, L-A-Y-A-R. Correct. And it looks like I can clean stuff with it. And there's a picture of Bobby and uh, <laughs> Dana on the front here. I should, uh, you know, All there right, you Dana, go. It's very cute. I, Dana, very, I gotta, very cute. I got to let you know what that's about. So if, go get the Layer app and then and then point it at the cloth and you'll see our video. It, it's like a, oh. it's like a oh. hyper QR code kind of. Oh, I see. Did I get one of these? No, it's on the way, Dana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're backpedaling now. And then the best part of it is this, and I'll read this out loud here. I got, oh, look at this. He's very proud of himself. Uh, Bobby Lehu from an Inc. 5000 winner and also a best places to work. I see he's got these logos all over the place. And it says, Mark O., a friend of mine went to Canada, won this gift card, came back to the States, couldn't use it because it's Canada only. Heard I had a crazy friend in Canada. Ergo, you have this card. $200 from Home Depot. Oh, I'm going to turn it over. Hope you have uh, Hope you have to expand more at Right Sleeve and Common Skew. It will come in handy. This was written using my Mont Blanc pen. Very upper class of you. And uh, Perlian, uh, sorry, proletarian pens perform poorly best <laughs> bobby okay so we have to we have $200. to labor, we have to let everybody wow. in on the joke what the joke is that mark and i were bored at a conference listening to a speaker talk it was probably dana we were listening to a speaker talk <laughs> we're not gonna say which conference it was otherwise we, might yeah, we, we better not so it wasn't dana he's too excited for that but we we got bored and we started having a political date debate on a napkin as we passed it back and forth he mark had a big pen i had a mont blanc and Mark made some kind of cheesy comment about that being the pin of the people. That's why you see that smart aleck response of mine on the note. That's right. That's right. So now that yeah, you know which the official which pen of the Republican Party. You, now you, now that you know which way we lean, hope we don't we, we at least represent fair and balanced opinion on the Promo Kitchen podcast. That is true. So my two hundred dollar uh, gift certificate, what that's worth about ten bucks in the U.S. Is that right? Or <laughs> 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 We're going to let that one fly. And you know what? We've just, um, instead of me doing this intro to Promo Kitchen, that was probably a good intro. We're going to leave that, and we're just going to fly with the podcast. That was and that was very good. It was, was far better than the canned pitch that I give at the beginning of every recording. So just in case you're new to the podcast, though, what the Promo Kitchen podcast is about is a weekly conversation or about as weekly as a bunch of busy guys can make it, volunteers can make it, uh, featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the promotional products business. I'm Bobby Lehu, joined by Mark Graham and Dana Zezo, both of whom need no formal introduction. Great to have you guys on. Woo! <laughs> so 
We just launched right into it, and today, the topic of our conversation today is the future of trade shows, and we have talked about this before. The difference about today's conversation is that we're actually going to have a guest join us in about 20 minutes, uh, and, and the guests will we'll introduce them properly when, they, uh, when, when we dial them up. But let me start the podcast off by talking a little bit about our collective experiences at shows. And Dana, I know you, of all people, have um, you're you're a well traveled man, and I say this in all in all candor. You have man, you you log probably more miles than most people, and I'm even including many suppliers. Yep. Um, Mark and I have had the privilege of attending EME. Dana, you've been involved in EME, but why don't Dana, why don't you explain to our listeners what I mean when I say an EME-styled show? Because what we're doing today, we're talking about the future of trade shows, and I believe that there's being a shift is happening. And although it will never be either or, like this will be the future of all shows, it will just be an option, but it's a great option. Dana, why don't you explain to everybody what an EME-style show is? Yeah, well, I gotta give I gotta give credit where credit due is when you become the reference of uh, when your the name of your show becomes the reference to the style of show you've accomplished something right. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so the EME style format is a is basically done in a in a in a private meeting setting. So going into it, there you 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 set up which tends to be less product oriented based on the the um, the invitee the invitees that are coming the the attendees not the suppliers but on the distributor side it tends to be a not a product driven meeting versus a trade show which tends to be a traditional trade show which is very product driven um, so you base usually it ends up being a suite um, um, style where you have that front living room and you have scheduled X amount of meetings, whatever amount that is for your, you know, the investments, it's meetings are the same for every supplier. Um, we know going into that show or that, that event, how many meetings we're going to have. And you have X amount of time somewhere between 20. It seems, mm-hmm. seems to be falling in at 20 to 25 minutes um, and, and who is putting them together. So then the bell rings and every, and they shift. So you have 20, you know, you, you look at, down and you look at the cost, you look at the attendees, and you decide as a supplier if, if that investment is worth you know, 38, you know, 40 meeting, private 20-minute meetings with those attendees. That's the general format. What you do, what you choose to do in that 20 minutes um, is entirely up to you. You're, you're buying the preset appointment. Right. And Dana, there is a threshold uh, for this is by invite only for good reason. Uh, do you want to you want to discuss? Uh, and, and of course, uh, Eric, when he gets on with EME, he will explain better what the threshold is. But there, this is for a certain level of sales volume per company, right? Yeah, there's a couple of different approaches out there. It's based on. Um, you know the the qualifying number for the distributing distributor house and a qual- and then now it's it's migrated into some top performer events where there's a qualifier for the top performer so for example um you know in the general meeting bobby you know your uh, rock promotions 
Qloom, you know, as a company needs to do X amount. I don't know exactly what the numbers are. I have the, you know, I had the confidence when I first reviewed the very first contract. I don't really look at it again. In Bobby's case. Yeah. <laughs> 50,000 for Bobby. All right. Hey, I'm, I'm rolling, man. I'm a mover. Yeah. So, so Robin Promotions is coming in and I know that distributor volume in promo is X. And the top performers then obviously there tends to be one to two top performers attending per meeting per distributor and each of them own a book of business that qualifies at X. And obviously, you know, Eric can tell you what his event is and I'm sure that the other folks that are starting to do similar events, um, you know, we're hoping and uh, as suppliers that they have um, set up that criteria and, you know, don't dilute the effort um, because again, we, it takes us having to qualify, uh, as a supplier out of the mix. We know there's qualifications, um, or you wouldn't have gotten invited. It, it, it puts a nice start to the whole process. Right. Mark, um, from a distributor's perspective, what, it, what does that look like? Can you explain EME from a distributor's perspective? Uh, well, it, 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 it complements a lot of what, what Dana was just talking about from the supplier side. I know from our side, and we've been to, uh, I think this is three EME-style events that we've been to, two of which were from EME, and one of which was uh, a promo marketing event. Right. And uh, it, it, I was a little unsure about it at the beginning because... You know, it's like three or four days out of the office, and even though it's an all-expense-paid trip, which is nice, um, it's still three or four days out of the office, and of course, the value of our time is probably more than the cost to even go there. Um, and so I remember not being sure about it, but I I looked at the list, and I knew a bunch of people that were going to be there, and I figured at a minimum, it would just be a great time. Um, so... We went down and did our first one and uh, was was blown away by it. Uh, the EME people had done a great job. Uh, it was uh, very well organized, almost military precision <laughs> with the way yeah. the appointments ran. Right, and uh, it was. I really enjoyed. I went down with Catherine, and we really enjoyed speaking at a strategic level. And while while the two of us are product people, um, we don't really. Engage, we're not selling owners anymore. Um, so our day-to-day -day is spent managing, uh, uh, um, um, incenting people and building a great team. And we want to be able to bring our suppliers into the mix and talk to them at that same level. And it was really cool to be able to do that and not have to worry about, you know, one guy's stress toys versus another guy's koozies. Um, so... It was it was really interesting. And of forty people, we walked away in that first uh, in that first event from having walked away with thirty really good relationships formed. Now, yeah. mind you, of those thirty, let's say we knew fifteen of them already. Okay, so that's a gimme. But of those fifteen, we were able to get deeper inside that organization. We were able to either get a great contact or just learn something we didn't know before. But then a solid fifteen people we had never heard of before that we were able to come back and write a meaningful business with. And then ten of them were either we don't sell calendars and won't understand that business or just uh, just not the right match. So bottom yeah, I'll, line, I'll, Mark, let me 
me add to that too, and one thing I didn't touch on is there tends to be, because of the investment value from the supplier side, you tend to have um, executive level su supplier people there, which puts a very different twist on it. It's not tends not to be a regional rep. It tends not to be someone per se from corporate. It tends to be, you know, national and up, which I'm sure yeah. Mark as a distributor is an interesting, those are interesting conversations based on what you're trying to accomplish at your company. Yeah. What, what was good, uh, I, what happened with, like with us when we first got the invite, uh, I was, um, you know, my first thought was, this sounds like something our, our top rep should go to, but I'm, I, and I get the, I get why management should go and like, like Mark, I'm in a role that Mark is in. And so what happened with our first event, we did, we got to have high level conversations with folks. We were all looking for the right partnerships. I mean, this, this industry, we're so dependent on each other for strong partnerships and alliances that I was impressed myself and our CFO, we, CFO. A CFO went and uh, sort of um, met all of these uh, su par supplier partners, many of whom we'd already done business with, but, that, but got, that got stronger, and then we met new ones. And then what happened was about six months later, they had the first ever rep show, and so we sent our top two reps and um, actually, are, we're sending two more for the next one. And what's what's cool about it is what we've been trying to achieve as an organization, which is a strong preferred supplier partnership, has beginning to take root after years of trying to do it Maverick style. EMEs kind of helped pave a way, uh, getting everybody on the team sold one after another with the right partnerships. Yeah, I, I I've got a for for I suppose for both of you but I think more directed towards being I should say the outset you know I I, I and Bobby you and I have chatted about this before in terms of how there's this I think a genuine desire within the industry to um, have more of an 80 20 rule where you're spending 80 percent of your time and resources to the top 20 percent of your accounts the top 20% of the industry. And I think what's interesting about what Eric and, and, and certainly with the people of Promo Marketing and, and I know what ASI are starting to get into right now is this whole idea of really paying more attention and spending more time and energy with the larger, more committed distributors in the business. And my so I suppose where my question is for someone like Dana is that as a supplier, of Jetline, which is a well-known national supplier of promotional gear, you probably have thousands, if not tens of thousands of customers that you work with. Have you started to see a shift where you're now less interested in working with the distributors that give you like $100 worth of business a year and trying to really focus on the kinds of distributors that would attend EME and really putting your eggs in, in that basket as opposed to spreading yourself so thin? Because I imagine that's a real problem for suppliers, probably even a greater problem for, for suppliers than it is for distributors. Um, there, you, that's a, you know, a double-edged sword. I mean, um, I, I would say that, and I'll speak on you know, behalf of Jetline. There is no doubt that we are building a company that's capable of servicing the 80-20 the better and with a lot more wow, which you guys will start seeing in the next, you know, 12 months. 
there's no doubt we're applying resources there because of the needs and, and the energy that needs to, you know, for the return. Um, but at the same time, there is no campaign to, ab to abandon the $100 customer. We are just reallocating. What suppliers are starting to do is st finally stop trying to be everything to everybody which is the biggest mistake that distributors have made for a hundred years. Um, I can logo anything. Um, so with that being said, we are starting to readjust our spend, but the same to you know, cater to service, build relationships, market, you know, technologies that only the 20 will utilize. Um, right. and we know that. And we yes, we are restructuring spends to to that are more focused. Um, we're starting to restructure spends that are more focused at segmented parts of our industry. To be perfectly honest with you, and I, I don't know if all suppliers are doing that, but I think a smart supplier would. So yes, the ans the answer is yes. But at the same time, there is no way that we're just abandoning the the everyday customer. I mean, that's why we still print. A catalog, and you know, um, yeah. we'll probably be forced to print a catalog for a couple more years. Um, we will have a, a, a basic website that any distributor with uh, uh, an industry number can can access. So, okay. um, and, Dana, and, Dana I, go ahead, Mark. Ask ask a. Uh, well, it, it was just, it was just simply just a follow up comment, and then and get to you here, Bobby. But I, I think that as <laughs> at the same time. Uh, as much as as much as we might think um, that we're in an industry where we can focus eighty percent of our efforts on uh, onto the top twenty percent of the accounts, that I don't really think that exists for a supplier. If you were to take, and the reason I say that is, if you were to take the 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 top ten distributors from the top ASI top forty list, and you were to look at how much they spend with Jetline or Leads or with Alpha or with Sandbar, I imagine, and I, I'm just guessing here, that the top 10 from that list would only represent maybe 15% max combined of Sandbar sales or Jetline sales or lead sales. So it's interesting that so much of where a supplier can count on their revenue really comes from a, an incredibly fragmented uh, number of distributors. Um, so, yeah. well, and, and this isn't, you know, not to, uh, I don't want this to come off as an elitist uh, part of the, you know, kind of program, but part of the reason why we're talking about this topic is because this style of show has really taken root. And I'm curious to, I'm sort of posit this out to the industry and encourage people to continue to develop these types of programs for all sizes of distributors. I mean, even if you were a small distributor, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's going to come along and create an EME-style show where maybe the onus for the expense of the show isn't entirely on suppliers, but where it's a shared uh, right. you know, expense, and that would be well worth the effort. And one thing... I agree with that. One thing that's happened, you know, we now have the EME that has pretty much carved the way. They were the original. They've done a fantastic job. Their um, event is in Phoenix, Arizona, October 14th to October 17th. You can visit their website at ememeetings.com. There is now, ASI has now created an EME-style show 
called Facilitate. You can call ASI and ask for information. It also is October 14th through 17th at the Arizona Biltmore Hotel. And then Promo Marketing introduced, I believe that was their first event this past year, an EME-style show uh, produced by Promo Marketing. And so here we have three organizations that are now presenting EME-style options. What I'm sort of what, – what's fun about us being involved in Promo Kitchen is we sort of represent a uh, an unbiased opinion and can bring this idea to the industry and say, you know what, we like the direction this is going because every time I talk to somebody about EME, it's it's always a positive response, whether it's distributor or supplier. Well, And, and I'll, right. I'll jump in here and, and – Stir the pot. Why not? I'm known for it. Um, now look at look at the revenue take. I mean, if you you know, the, we all have a rough idea what it costs, and multiply that by 38 suppliers. There's a pretty big revenue pool. So you know, as EME carved the way in promo marketing or ASI or you know, PP. Last podcast we did, Paul said they'd never do it because it doesn't. That's not what a nonprofit association who has fragmented, you know. Di- different uh, demographics of members will ever do um, they're looking at the revenue going well if that revenue can go to them I want it to come to me um, so you're, you're you know there's this now there's this someone's looking at the total dollars the dilemma now is with us as suppliers is that now that three people are doing this um, there's going to be a problem. I don't think there's enough space for three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's going to be interesting because these things are not inexpensive. I mean, you have yeah. to just say, find a bunch of extra money and, you know, EMA is up to four events. I mean, that's big, big money. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, that's employee, an employee money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the cost of a salesperson type money. Um, or or getting towards it, so or an inside salesperson. So these things are going to be now have to be thought through a, a lot better by a supplier, um, and unfortunately, then you know the ROI becomes a bigger, bigger conversation. Um, you know, but we there's there's very few suppliers, and, and we could probably say that the top twenty or the top ten that would ever continue to do all these events at the cost they cost, and then. Happen. Right. So, it, so it'd be interesting to see what this affects. So, so Dana, specifically because you can speak about Jetline, I know that you have been a supporter of EME. I know that you guys were at the promo marketing uh, event in Nashville, the one that I saw you at. Um, and I know that you you were big fans of of both. Have you? Supported the ASI one? Like, have you invested in all three, or are you guys drawing a line, and why? Uh, we have not, um, and we're not we're not drawing a line. But there's just not the there's the sacrifice anymore. And by the way, Jetline didn't do the promo marketing that was ProTals. Um, but oh. uh, Jetline <laughs> Jetline has not done the promo marketing yet either. We're kind of in negotiations with promo marketing, and you know there, there, there's a lot of politics to it because you know we would probably. To do this style of show over a traditional, sh- you know, a traditional show, but we're forced to sign contracts so early in the game that before we could ever make a full commitment to an EME from a marketing st- stream, we would it would be 2014 because right. of what we're, because of the the tactics that other 
companies do to sign you in so long so they gavel that spend up before you can last minute reallocate that spend and do something more relevant. So yeah, yeah. So we're, it's, we're, uh, we're right now we're all in like a juggling act trying to, you know, and you know, I gotta be honest with you at pro tabs there were if it, you know, the events 8,000 bucks, we had to cut 8,000 somewhere else. Yeah. Right. So, well, we it, it, this is quite, quite a conundrum for you, for the suppliers. It really is. I mean, you guys are getting pulled in so many different directions, and there are now so many options, and it's getting further fragmented. It's not, you know, where it was this was one or two shows. It becomes two or six, now six or 12 or 12 or 20 or 30. When you add in all the major distributor shows, the events that you do, the regional associations, my goodness, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling, and we don't have to think about that much on our end. Right. Well, it, it benefits us, Bobby. At the end of the day, if I, I can imagine if ASI called us up tomorrow and said, do you want to go? I, I would. I, we've got a number of reps here that do fairly good business, and right. we would invite two other reps. Absolutely. Right. It's great for them. Right. Um, so long as the suppliers were decent, but I suspect ASI would attract the same suppliers as the others. So um, it's great for us. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> as long as we're writing the business for the suppliers that underwrite it. But I, th I think we do a pretty good job. Well, yeah, we are – go ahead, then, Dana. I, I think there will be some cleansing now too. Now that there's so many options, everybody's thinking it through a little bit further than maybe they were. I mean you thought about it first pretty seriously because of the spend. But now you're, you're going to have to think about it through – You know, I think suppliers are going to be a little more judgmental about who's there. They're going to get a lot more vocal about yep. who's there um, because – they're they're fighting, you know, their ownership or their investors to go to this thing because they believe in it. And if that list ain't solid, there's going to be backlash. You know, yeah, this is going to be interesting. And you know, EMEM themselves went from to now four, um, and there's no significant cost reduction for new two. There is, um, it's still it, it's still the the price tag and i'm not saying that, that there's not a value proposition for that spend i mean every i feel very confident confident in the ones that i've attended and you know but one the supplier better have a really good message when they're there they better have a story to tell they better have a very convincing argument of why they got 20 minutes of a distributor's time and yep. you know hopefully they have things implemented on the back end which I can be honest and say I've dropped the ball in a couple of times. There's got to be a, a really good implementation process on the back end, um, which means here's the irony of the whole thing. They're actually fairly easy for a large supplier. The spend's easy, and they have so many field reps that when they get back, they just dish it out and say follow up. you got the small supplier who can't afford to do the thing, so it's a good spend, and they just try to follow up what they can follow up because they finally got exposure to companies that they can't can't get into it's yeah, actually yeah. the heart of the middle supplier who yeah. it justify the spend and doesn't have the personnel to do the follow-up yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's point. really hard we are at that point in our our uh, podcast where we're going to invite eric and lauren on the call we're going to dial them up so right now hoping all the tech works just right we're dialing eric and Lauren from EME and we're gonna get back you guys might be thinking about best tips for managing an EME style show um and then we could cover that toward the end as well. I hated cutting Dane off because he was when he gets going, man. It's he gets cranking. It's really good. 
Hey so, guys. But it's also fun to cut him off too. It is fun to cut him off. I love cutting him off. Eric, yeah. uh, Eric, oh, uh, is that you? Yeah, it's me. How are you guys? I, I, I thought I didn't sound like Lauren. Lauren, are you there? <laughs> yes, I am. How are you? Good, good. This is. Uh, let me inter- introduce you guys. We are live on the Promo Kitchen podcast. It's not live. We are recording right now, but this will be published pretty soon. Um, and on the call now, we have Eric. Tar- Eric, is it Taurus? Uh, Taris, close Okay, Eric Taris, <laughs> president at EME Promotional Products Event, and we have Lauren Fox. I can pronounce that last one right, Lauren. Lauren Thank Fox, you. VP of Sales and Marketing at the EME event. And what we've been discussing today is the future of trade shows. We've just finished. Uh, we cut Dana off, actually. He was going through a really good um, diatribe, basically, on... <laughs> <laughs> how difficult it is to manage shows from time to time. But Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about the EME, how it got to start, and, and what the purpose of it is. Yeah, sure. Um, my background is actually uh, in the promotional products industry. I worked um, for seven years um, for two different distributors, uh, one in New York City for five years, the other in uh, New Jersey as well. And uh, had subsequently, uh, a- a- after my tenure there as a sales manager, uh, left the industry and had done these type of shows for um, a friend of mine who uh, offered me the position. And uh, it really cut my teeth for about three years doing these type of events and really um, was intrigued to see whether this type of an event would work in the uh, promotional products industry. I really wasn't sure, you know, with a very fractured industry that it is, is it possible? And um, I remembered through many, many conversations that we used to have, because I used to set up all the meetings with uh, suppliers that would come in. And uh, I worked for a company in New York that did about $3.5 million, $4 million, and another one that did about $10 million in New Jersey. And always heard suppliers saying, we'd love to see you guys. You're the sweet spot distributors. You know, you give us good business. We want to start relationships with you guys. And that kind of stuck with me and um, really just um, mined the show back in uh, 2007 um, to see if this would work. And um, it did. Um, it, it seemed like the timing was, was, was really good for an event like this to really try to make the industry in some respects a little bit smaller um, by qualifying um, – larger volume distributors that do at least a few million dollars worth of volume and pairing them up with suppliers in a very focused, intimate environment. And um, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> did you did it take a while to, to really uh, take off, or did this catch immediately? It, it caught pretty quickly. Um, after the first event that we had in 2007, um, there was quite a bit of buzz. Um, 2008 hit along um, with a lot of economic problems as well. And um, the economic problems did not hurt us at all. We were sold out on every event subsequently from 2008 all the way on. So obviously it was working for people because they were putting their dollars into this event that was uh, a tremendous amount of uh, ROI for them. So um, now it, it, I was very, very fortunate that it did um, pick up steam very quickly and the economy had, had virtually no effect on us whatsoever. Lauren, right. why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in EME and what your role is today? Well, 
Um, I've actually been in the industry 17 years. I started with PPAI and Sagney, and I had my own distributorship for two years. Um, most recently, for the past eight years, I was the sales and marketing manager for Fresh Beginnings, which is a small food gift supplier here in South Georgia. Um, I happened to do my very first DME in Atlanta in 2008 with Eric um, with a tremendous amount of success as a supplier. It provided me more ROI than anything else I had done. Um, at that point, with no outside sales reps or multi-line reps, um, the EME format, meeting these top distributors and building relationships just was just the most tremendous thing I could do for that company. And now I'm blessed to have joined Eric in April as the sales and marketing manager and vice president. And my role is to help bridge that gap between unique suppliers, um, bigger suppliers that have a bigger story to tell, and just building those relationships that founded um, business years ago before technology. So, uh, so Lauren and, and, and Eric, I suppose the, the, the question now is that you're, you have blazed a trail, you've created this very unique format and and uh, maybe not surprisingly you've got other people in the market that are now uh, emulating your success in your model how uh, I, I've got a bunch of questions around this but I think the first one is how have you responded to that um, imitation is the highest form of flattery right <laughs> <laughs> that's the right answer um, all you could do and I learned this very very early on because early on we did have competition um, and um, basically, all you could do is keep doing what you do best. And um, don't look behind you. Kind of uh, be like a, a, a horse in a horse race. You know, you got, you got the uh, blinders on. And you just keep mo moving forward and keep doing the best you can. That's really all that you can do. Um, I think if you keep um, uh, knee-jerk reaction with w what competition is doing, what this person is doing, then all you're doing is reacting to something that you really shouldn't. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and we'll just keep doing what we could we do best. And um, I think the suppliers that we have that continue uh, doing our events uh, are really speaking volumes and just saying that we're sticking with you and we like what you do. And, 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 and as long as we keep doing the right job, they'll stick with us. I'm not too concerned about it. Right. So you haven't found, uh, or before you guys got on the call, we were speaking with Dana, and Dana's still with us, uh, yeah. uh, just around the, the, the difficult or the difficulty with allocating marketing dollars and all of the competing shows, whether it's an ASI show or a PPAI show or these regional shows, now EME and now promo marketing and now facilitate. And um, are you, are you, um, getting a more lukewarm reception from suppliers when you're going out and signing contracts in the next year and pushback like, well, so-and-so is cheaper, so-and-so is better distributors, or, uh, or are you getting that pushback because you guys were first in the market and, and perhaps uh, the best? Nobody's better than us. <laughs> that, that's number one, okay? And I'm not, I'm not just trying to say that. There is, so when you're... Eric, it's all about the food, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from New York, so I always, I always look for the food first. Dana knows that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was good food. I will tell you that. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, um, 
and and I, I don't want to sound boastful, and I don't want to sound too full of myself. But as far as I'm concerned, EME is Coca-Cola at this point right now, as far as as far as the show goes. And as long as we continue doing what we're doing, once again, um, we are got, not getting any pushback at all. Uh, as a matter right. of fact, pe- people are are just really actually calling more than anything for for the support and saying we're with you for the long run. You've proven yourself. There's absolutely no reason why we should change. Um, we are actually, for what you get, with the amount of distributors that come to the event, and we have a ton of attendees as opposed to any format, with the price that we get, we are significantly less money, and you're just getting a lot more for the buck. Ask Dana. Well, <laughs> you know what? Why don't we, why don't we uh, you know, the purpose behind Promo Kitchen yeah. is really to mentor distributors and suppliers sure. and to help folks along. So why don't... Why don't, we, why don't we tackle this topic? Uh, because this might be helpful. You might be listening. If you're a listener, you might be listening and thinking, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to make an EME-style event. I would uh, I would say keep an eye on the future because you never know what options mm-hmm. may exist for you down the road. But why Absolutely. don't we, starting with Eric, why don't we offer the best tips for managing an EME-style show successfully for both distributors and suppliers? Obviously, Lauren and Eric, uh, yeah. you guys have seen best practices. So starting with Eric, moving to Lauren, moving to Dana, Mark, and myself, why don't we offer our listeners some best tips on how to manage an EME style show. And, and one more th- point, if you're thinking I'll never go to the, one of those style shows, listen to these tips even for your typical trade show so that you can take sure. away some practices there. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to answer that from the distributor's side, okay? okay. And then I'm going to have Lauren answer that from the supplier side. And the reason why I want her to answer that is because she's done 10 of the shows as a supplier. Yeah. So she could probably best answer that from a supplier who might be inquisitive about this and saying, geez, I've, I've heard so much about this event, but like you said, I, I don't know if I would ever go to it. From a distributor's point of view, um, I know myself uh, as, as starting out as a salesperson, um, working for a distributor, and then being a sales manager, having um, about a half a dozen people under me. Um, whenever I went to trade events, and I, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, I'm not knocking any trade events because they, they do serve a purpose. Um, I, I felt as if I was shaking a lot of hands and seeing a lot of people. It was nice to meet people and say hello. And But my conversations um, with um, suppliers that were at a large trade event were pretty insignificant. And um, after a while, you, you may, not, may not be able to talk to somebody um, in a really detailed, intimate way. So you just get your badge scanned. And yeah. that's something that um, I would kind of cringe at because I would come back from an event as a distributor. Obviously, I was three days behind or four days behind, so I'd have to do catch-up and then just wait for you know massive amount of catalogs to come. And so I felt <laughs> that um, going to the shows... Um, you know, it was nice and all that, but I wasn't getting a lot out of it. Um, what I've got from distributors, which is very, very important, and when I would always talk to distributors, um, the biggest, and, and this is always, this is the best complaint because this meant to me that a distributor was serious. Um, they would say, I've heard great things about the event, but how could I get out of the office for three days? How can I do it? And the only thing that I could honestly say is that, and, and there's not a lot of guarantees in life, but through the history of EME, um, it's almost a guarantee that when they come there, they're going to tell me this is the best three days that I've ever spent 
uh, at an event. And one of the reasons is is that in this day and age with uh, technology and stuff like that, this is a very um, old-fashioned format that we're doing. Yes, it might be cutting edge in the industry, but we're just getting the right people, the right pieces of the puzzle of the people together, sitting down and talking. And as simple as that sounds, in a 20-minute, one-on-one, comfortable environment, it's priceless. Secondly, one of the things that distributors say to me, and this is really the most important thing, and I have people that have said, you know, I've been in this industry for 20, 25 years. I sat down with these suppliers, and I can't believe, I thought I knew who they were. I really didn't know who they were. Yeah. And I think Dana could probably attest to that more than anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's amazing how they just say, I, I can't believe that this particular company had the capabilities to do this. And this fits one of my clients, maybe 10 of my clients. So that's really it. Is, is, is the best thing I could say for distributors is keep your mind open because in today's um, uh, you know, competitive workplace, you need to have an edge. And I believe, and I think most distributors will agree with me, is that uh, EME does give you an edge. Awesome. Lauren? Well, uh, one of my jobs as, as vice president is to help suppliers uh, prepare appropriately. If they're not prepared, then their investment is going to be wasted. And that's one thing we never want. Our, our only agenda is for everybody's success. And if a supplier is considering doing an EME, what I would instruct them is they're going to get a, a listing um, and inf- information on their attendees that they're going to meet. They need to do their homework. Um, they need to see if they're doing business with these companies already. If not, um, why not? If if there's a history, um, be prepared with spec samples. Be prepared with um, samples to to give um, so they have a takeaway. Um, they need to be organized, um, and they have to be comfortable. Um, Twenty minutes, one on one, and a lot of networking. Um, take yourself, bring yourself over to a table that you uh, see distributors sitting at, and just be yourself and really work the room for three days. Um, the other thing they need to do is they've got to do their follow-up. They've got to do their homework. Um, remember, these distributors are coming in. They're going to meet, you know, 40, 45 suppliers in the three days. Their heads are going to be swimming. Um, they need to make sure they follow up and, and they stay on top of distributors and help them close those sales as well. It is a team effort. And as long as everybody's in it um, together, it is a win-win for everybody. Dana. Yes. How about you? Best tips? Uh, and this would be like to my fellow suppliers or it, to both. To both. Ending? To both would be to great. Um, to fellow to, to fellow suppliers, I mean, take the investment seriously. Don't you know? Send the right people there. Um, send the people that know the company's story that that is not probably being told on the street um, because a lot of you know great suppliers have really good intentions at the top and then by the time that that's delivered at the street it's very very diluted um, so definitely can tell the story um, 
of, of what the company's vision is. Um, you know, and that story can change. Like uh, Lauren said, you know, come there prepared um, as a supplier, same way. The story you tell to a customer who does zero with you is very different than the story that you better be prepared to do a customer who does a million dollars with you. Um, so you can't go there with one, you know, with one game plan. You might have to go there with five game plans, you know, zero to X and X to X and X to X. And so be ready to adapt to the clients uh, as they come in the room. And that all takes preparation. The backside is, is just as important. And I wish I could say I was batting a thousand, but I'm just as guilty, um, of, of not, of dropping the ball sometime, but the follow-up, I mean, the small suppliers have someone back at the office signed to this project before you even get back and ready to go. Large suppliers have a system in place that you distribute those notes down through the channels that get to the field reps, that get to the inside salespeople, that, um, to get to the people that are going to start touching and utilizing the investment for ROI. Um, that would be what I would tell my fellow suppliers and have a compelling story. If you don't have a story, don't waste your time because this is – if you go there to, like you're going to go to any other trade show, you're just – you're killing me as a supplier and you're really killing the distributor because that's not why I think they're going there. Um, distributor tips, I mean, again, we like when you come prepared. We like when you come and you know you have somewhat of agenda. Um and I say that loosely, again, I've invested a lot of money um, to get the opportunity to tell you a story for 20 minutes. I don't get too excited when the distributor walks in a room and uses up the first 17 minutes telling me what I'm supposed to be doing, per se. Now, other suppliers have a different take on that. They, that's how they approach it. They like that they just listen. Um, that's not my selling style. So I... I don't really like when I, I not first of all it's probably not the first time I've heard you say that where it is probably the first time you've heard the story of my supplier the supplier vision so um, there's a fine line between who owns that time so based on the fact that I wrote the check I'm gonna count it up as I own it <laughs> uh, so, again but that's my style and I think I have a compelling story enough that I, I can use your 20 minutes and you won't be disappointed. If you are disappointed, don't use me as a supplier, uh, plain and simple. Um, so as a distributor, don't come there and you, you know, be cautious or of that time because that supplier is invested a lot of money for that 20 minutes. Yeah. If suppliers, yeah. that's their, what they're going to do, which I've heard there are suppliers that basically sit down like a shrink with a notebook and say, okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's okay. Awkward to me. I can't quite understand why you would spend that. You know, you could run around your local town and do the same thing with five distributors. I don't understand why you do that. But um, just be respectful. I'm prepared. If you, if you have very important things to your company, um, Yes, uh, come there and tell us about them. You know, su suppliers want to adapt to distributors. Suppliers don't just force everything downstream. Um, great suppliers adapt to where their distributors are going. So if you have a vision um, that, you know, Bobby, for example, you know, you're moving towards a Skype-style sales presence, um, come there and say, hey, guys, just FYI, here's three agenda points 
that we're moving towards. If you can adapt into these, I'd like to follow up after this and talk about them. And maybe hand that out, you know, that you're going to start a Skype-style sales presentations once a month that you want to be copied on all video that's created, um, that you want to utilize something that the supplier is doing. Yeah. That, that was my tips, but be, be respectful. Good stuff. Uh, Mark? Full of the time. Uh, it's, I, I'll... I'll uh, what, what, I'll give you my perspective as, as a distributor that has been to three of these events, uh, two of which uh, were Eric's events, and one of which was uh, from another from another uh, EME style provider, um, maybe a Pepsi, shall we say? Anyways, <laughs> but uh, but but I, I'm not going to discuss the merits of both here. I just want to talk about more just the process that we go through as a distributor because even though we're not spending money to go, we're uh, certainly investing a lot of our time and of course time equals money. So we have, I think we've got this down to uh, a science now. Um, what we will do is we will review, first of all, who all the suppliers are. That's really important for us so we can do research on those suppliers. Um, as I was saying before, we know about half of the suppliers very well, and the other half we might not know uh, know at all. Uh, so we suss out who those suppliers are, and then what we'll do is we'll uh, um, sit down as a sales team, and we will strategize about what what um, what clients uh, we want to impress, which prospects we want to convert into clients, and generally what our sales opportunities are for the next six to 12 months. We then put together a one-pager where we will uh, say what kind of company rights leave is, how long we've been in business for, how many reps we have, what industries we service, and uh, uh, five to eight really good tangible opportunities that the supplier can think about and really sink their teeth into. We will then send that out to every one of the suppliers. We'll actually individually email every one of them so there's a personal touch to it and uh, let them have that document and say that we're looking forward to seeing them in such and such a place. By doing that, um, it means that our meetings are really, really efficient and uh, and we get great value out of it. And then when our people come back, whether myself and Catherine as owners, or in this most recent case, it was Julia and Patricia who had gone, who were two top reps here, we'll then have a presentation where we will go and give everyone at the entire company uh, the highlights. And we'll talk about great new suppliers, and that way everyone gets the benefit of EME. So that, that's how it works for us, and it's been incredible. But I will say one thing, one beef that I have to share here, because that was all a really great story, and hopefully it is going to inspire distributors to be really organized. But you know what irks a distributor? And uh, uh, probably more than anything, and particularly a company like ours, that we feel we're really diligent and conscientious with how it is that we uh, want to prepare our suppliers um, in advance, is when we show up to the event, and you know how I had said that we would walk away from one of these events with 30 really good vendors, but 10 of them were kind of a waste of time. The reason why we write those 10 off is because we show up and they go, so uh, tell me a little bit about Right Sleeve. Uh, like, where are you guys? Um, and at that point, if it's Catherine and I, we will just literally look at them and go, this meeting is basically over. And we'll sit there for 20 minutes going, 
you are wasting our time and you're offending us, to be perfectly honest. Because suppliers are begging for the information that we give them. And if they're not going to act upon it, we feel it's, it's an insult and it's a waste of our time. So if you're a supplier listening to this and a distributor gives you this information on a silver platter, don't waste their time. There you go. Good stuff. <laughs> That's good stuff, Mark. I, I will echo some of your points, and I want to draw back to what Eric said about um, being prepared, about uh, giving these suppliers time and res- respect that they deserve because they've spent the money to bring you there. One thing that our industry is, is just we're just eat up with urgent and in, important versus urgent. And Eric made the comment that, you know, getting away from the office for three days to do this, it's incredibly important. And that's what I took away. It really is important to sit down and have those kinds of conversations that you've been too busy at the shows to have that both sides really want to have. And this is not, this doesn't fit under the urgent agenda, but it's very, very, very important. So you have to abandon the urgent for the important to to really get the best out of this. When we were there, Eric, I don't know if you recall this, but we actually had the power go out back at our facility when we were making our rounds on my very first EME. That constituted an emergency on my part. And I felt so guilty for missing. I missed one session because of 20-minute phone calls back and forth. And I felt so guilty that I told that supplier, I said, I owe you 20 minutes of, of my undivided attention, and we will have that conversation, and we did. Um, right. So it's very important that we show up respecting their time and money. Another thing that we did as a team, uh, we sent our team members with USB drives with all of our clients' logos on them. You know, mm-hmm. 20, year ago, 20 cool. years ago, back in the day, you'd walk the show floor with camera ready art. Mark, right. I'll, have, I'll explain that to you what that is, Mark, later yeah. on. But, um, Never heard of it. Never yeah. heard of it. So, uh, but what our reps then showed up with these USB drives, and I remember the suppliers, the, the mutual respect that there was in the room uh, that was mm-hmm. communicated back to me about, man, these guys showed up ready to do business. So the walls were coming down. The barriers were coming down. Another piece of advice that I would give is um, for distributors, as you look at your team, one of the unfortunate mistakes that I see suppliers making when they come to our facility and they talk to our team is they end up talking to me because I'm a, I'm, I'm a more visible figurehead for our business, or they end up talking to two of the key account reps that are million-dollar-plus producers. What they don't realize is there is there are two or three people in the room that are equally responsible and will make six-figure buying decisions all year long that don't carry a senior account executive sales title on their business card. And Eric was so kind, we're sending our our third team through EME. Uh, you had management go through. You had, we had top two top sales execs. Now we have two inside sales execs that are both responsible for um, seven-figure business. And they uh, will you – know, I'm just thrilled because now we get this – constant repetitive excitement about these core suppliers and what that ends up happening on our bottom line we end up spending more money with the right kinds of people so it's it's really great that you think this through and send through not just you have to get eric's permission he he wants to qualify and make sure he's delivering to suppliers people that are capable of making buying decisions like that but look at your team and i love mark's practice of coming back and sharing that uh information with everyone that's right um we probably need to wrap here, here, but what we like to do is give everybody a final word before we do. Um, why don't we start again with Eric, and we'll move to Lauren and Dana and Mark. Um, Eric, any final words? Um, no, I, I, I just want to thank you guys for this uh, opportunity um, to really just um, you know talk to you guys and talk to the folks out there and uh, in podcast land. <laughs> and no, I, I, I do. It's it's greatly appreciated. Um, 
in many respects, you know, what we do um, is, 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 as you guys know, since you've all been to the show, we keep a very low profile in the show at EME. Yeah. Yeah. Because we really believe that this event, you know, especially suppliers are spending the money to come. It's your event, you know, and distributors as well. And so, you know, uh, I'm very humbled, really, by the success that we've had here. And, um, you know, um, actually flattered with, 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 with some of the folks who are actually doing it. I know it sounds crazy with competitors, but I am actually flattered. <laughs> that, they're, that they're doing the same thing but um once again i just want to thank you guys and as long as we keep doing a good job for you guys we'll continue doing it you know our, our main agenda is is really for you guys to have uh, a, a great event and to kind of make this industry a little bit smaller with the, with the right players great lauren well i just want to share again you know the whole success i feel that EME has brought to back to the industry is the the relationship building, the trust factor, especially like you said, everybody's running a hundred miles an hour, everything, you know, technology. This is going back to basics, building that trust, building that relationships. And what I found for me as a supplier is it lasts for years. It's not just an overnight phenomenon the the relationships and and the teamwork that this type of format develops is a very long lasting uh, effect for both suppliers and distributors and again thank you guys for this opportunity to share with you you bet uh dana um you know i'm a big fan of change in the trade show um but then again, you know, we've done podcasts on some other things where we talk about you know, different trade shows bring different values to different suppliers because of, you know, say their maturity life cycle and where they're at. You know, the mass market style trade shows are great for a newer company who's trying to build a database. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to work for companies that have a, have a brand uh, established in the industry, and we are trying to service and adapt and develop technologies that that will be acted on by some of the top distributors in the country. So I am also honored that I've been part of these events um, since a very early stage because they uh, believed in me to be able to tell a story about a towel many years ago, which was interesting enough. Um, and, and obviously now I come over to Chatline and, and they're involved in the events. So I love that there is change in the air for the way that we interact with our customers. It's not just showing widgets every minute because it's interesting that all the education that comes down from the industry is don't sell product, don't sell product, don't sell product, sell solutions, sell this, all these bigger vision things. So we're looked at like more like a you know an agency type of industry. But yet you go to a trade show and no trade shows are allowing us to act like agencies. We're being forced to put a bunch of product on tables. So I am very excited that there's change in the air because our message to suppliers has to change. And the great suppliers will succeed and so be it if the non-great ones don't. Great advice. 
Good soapbox there, buddy. That was pretty good. good. <laughs> I like, see, you used to let him, we used to let him go. That's all we need to do. <laughs> Mark? Um, yeah, so I will, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be brief here in saying that uh, I, I am like Dana. I share Dana's enthusiasm for change and disruption, and I just loved the idea, and I still love the idea of EME and EME-style shows. I think it's really phenomenal. It totally feeds into uh, our whole uh, positioning as a strategic and progressive and creative agency-style distributorship. Um, however, I, I also believe that an EME style show will never put the ASI show or the expo out of business as much as I had some off the record conversations with suppliers that said, if I could just cancel expo or the ASI show and give all my money to Eric, I would do it tomorrow. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, that's not really ever going to happen. And the reason I say that is, um, I, myself and, and Catherine, just people that have been around for a while in the industry, love the strategic conversations that we have at a place like EME. However, if I was to send a relatively new and junior rep, and I know that the EME style shows are not designed for them, but even if Eric and his colleagues threw open the doors to junior reps, I think that a, a, a junior rep would be like a deer in the headlights at an EMA style show. It would be a complete waste of time. And I love it. And being in Toronto, Toronto is a wonderful market to have a distributorship in. Despite the competition, it's still great because we have tons of shows in our local market. So whenever we have new people come on board, we'll send them to a top show or to the Canadian show or to an ASI traveling show where there's lots of vendors and they'll go and they'll get lost and they'll be like a kid in the candy store. And it's a great way for them to learn about product. Once they have that product foundation, which only a trade show can give them, then they graduate to the Eric and Lauren show or similar. And so I think that there is, 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 is definitely space and a need for both styles of shows, despite some of the frustration with the bigger trade shows. I think that you'll always have newer people that are just coming out that need to be educated in the world of product. There you go. Awesome. I cannot think of a single word to add to any of that. That was all fantastic advice. Does anyone else have anything to say before we close? Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Eric and Lauren, we're glad you joined us. Um, you know, just showing up and in, in, on the same call with those two other guys um, is a risk. You put your profession <laughs> at risk. You put your reputation at risk. And uh, we really appreciate it. So, everyone, thank you so much, all of, all of you, for your time. And uh, thanks to our listeners, as always. If you've enjoyed the PK Podcast, would you take a moment to go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and make a comment? We'd love to hear some feedback from you. We'd love to hear future episode ideas. And we'd love to know if you'd like to be on the podcast because we'd love to have more of our community take a more center stage um, approach in our future podcast guys anything else thank that's you. it thank you all right guys take care of yourselves terrific Bye. thanks so much thanks. guys take care <laughs>